Check, check, check. Check, check. One, two, three, four, five. This is me. Hey, yo. Hello. Look at us. That's a veteran podcaster right there. <laughs> um, all right, let me pull up my notes. I have some, I, I did a lot of notes. I love it. Prepared. Prepared for you. This is going to be Cat Williams on Shannon Sharp Part <laughs> 2. <laughs> I want you to blow up everybody in the Chicago scene right now. <laughs> there was a guy who ran shows in Chicago, mm-hmm. and he was known for picking mushrooms. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Dave Odd. Uh, <laughs> and his name was Dave Odd. Dave Straight Odd. up from the, like an 80s comedian name, Dave Odd. Yeah, Dave Odd's the, okay, so he, a, a man with a mysterious checkered past, he was <laughs> shunned from the Chicago comedy scene. No one would put him on any shows. Yes. Despite the fact that he was more than competent on stage. Fantastic joke writer. Really? Okay. I had not heard that part. Okay. No one would tell you bad comedian. Interesting. People would tell you shunned from the scene. Okay. So to, he still wanted to be a comedian. So he changes his name from what it was to odd. <laughs> Leaned into it, baby. Leaned into it. And he started. He went full villain. I love it. He's a full heel. Yes, yes, yes. He turned full heel and he started multiple shows, at least one every night of the week. Wow. Also, the people who shunned him, he took that very personally. And he said, I'm not going to shun anybody. Oh. And so his shows would ha- would take literally anyone. <laughs> okay. So, the, open, so he can also rightfully boast that he was the first person in comedy in Chicago to book Hannibal Burris, oh. T.J. Miller, Kumail Nanjiani, so it, Pete Holmes. He gave everybody a fucking shot. Everybody. I love it. Yeah, so he's the guy. And so then you all, all of just us, shit on him. <laughs> somebody eventually takes you aside and goes, I got to tell you about this guy. It's, like, it's the, like a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah. It's like the nerd. In, in I still high, talk to Dave, oh, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, he's I love that. Not a, okay, well, he literally paid, <laughs> like, he... Paid for the crime. He did the time. Okay. Oh. Like, he didn't go to jail. Oh, I think he okay, was like an okay. ankle bracelet situation. Wow. Okay. Uh, I so Couldn't pick mushrooms anymore. No, he can definitely pick mushrooms. <laughs> this is like a this is like a 1998 uh, okay. sort of thing. And easily Googleable. <laughs> okay. But Very I, vague. I love but, it. But uh, he doesn't want it out there, so I'm not going okay, like, to well, do like a... No worries. I'm not going to do like a... Um, Telephone version that com- comedians tell the story. And hey man, you said Cat Williams. We're doing. You got to do it. <laughs> Dave Odd is an industry plant. <laughs> an industry mushroom. He's a, he's a, he's in the industry and he picks plants <laughs> in the woods. Oh, <laughs> uh, welcome to that was wild. I'm Adam Macias. This episode is going to be freaking wild. Today's guest. Listen, uh, you've already heard him a little bit. He's a Chicago uh, legend. Uh, he, I've gotten the very fortunate to, uh, learn about him, uh, a million years ago when I was first starting out on, in comedy and, uh, very fortunate to kind of run into him with, uh, that was wild live show, which he got a chance to tech and then also perform at, Hey man, you want to do five? Uh, uh, today's guest, he's an author, comedian. He just released a book called The Perfect Amount of Wrong, The Rise of Alt-Comedy on Chicago's North Side. It's Mike Bridenside, everybody. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, dude. Thank you for doing this, dude. Yeah, when I teched that show, that was random. My my bo- The owner of that place, where yes. I'm, I, I work at another one of his businesses. Yes. He's like, "Can I need you. Yes. And then you just walked up to me and you go, I know you. Yeah, like you sound super from <laughs> just like that names. And then I had to like go to my Rolodex of 20 years yes, ago. Famous tech uh, wizard. <laughs> Famous show tech. Hey, man, you know, you pick whenever you listen, man, like you picked a song that somebody mentioned in the set. Legendary. That's how you do it. That's, That's how, how you do, do it. it. It's the best job. It's one of the easiest things to do as a tech, but you'd be surprised of how like hard it is uh, to, to do. That's all you have to do. Yeah. If they mention a song. All you got to do. Yeah. Or find a topic. You're like, and then everybody will think you're a genius. Yes. You hit the, you hit a walk off home run. If, if you mentioned. <laughs> Alive by Pearl Jam, and <laughs> yeah. when they come off, you're like, yeah, I, they go, hey, yeah. I see what you did. Well, people Every point time. at the ceiling for no reason. Point at the ceiling, point at you, and then they're like, there you go. Yeah. That's all you got to do. That's my tech rules 101. Plug 100. it in, 
Use the song that they mentioned. And then I just found this out. You do comedy as well? Yeah. I, oh. So you go, do you want to go up there? And I said, <laughs> let's do it. And you were like, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Ballsy. Wow. You can turn the volume up and down. And, and then you can turn the audience up and down. That's right. <laughs> I did my best. Uh, you you killed, man. And it was honestly so uh, such a pleasure. Um, so Mike Bridenstine, an amazing comedian. I was fortunate. Um, you know, I'm a big podcast nerd. And uh, back in the day uh, when there was like, you know, not as many podcasts. So like a thousand uh, back in early 2000s or late 2000s, I discovered a podcast that Mike was on a bunch. Yeah. And um, as well as some of your friends, James Frentz. And mm -hmm. uh, I think Hannibal called in uh, a few times. He was on often. Back when um, he was like, he wrote for SNL for like a, a season. Yes. And so he would be like, he'd call in. Anyways, um, it, it was awesome for me because I got to discover all these like really cool alt comedy people. Um, and uh, flash forward a few years later, you're teching my show. And I was like, holy <laughs> fucking shit. Because for me, you know, like, as a podcaster, a fan of podcasts, like that was so influential for me. And so to like somehow have this, even in this moment where you're sitting in my chairs right now, literally I learned the art of podcasting somehow through those early days. It was, was funny. Awesome I was hoping in that situation where I was doing a favor for my boss to not be recognized at all. <laughs> so we had the opposite. But you, I mean, you couldn't have been cooler. Yeah, so. dude. You're like, oh, please don't look at me. You're like wore a mask. And I was like, hey, yeah. hold on a second. I'm like, it's not, it's not me. I, can, I, I recognize those dulcet tones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude. Um, so you wrote a book. Um, so this is a strange thing for me. Like, because when I first started out of comedy, I'd be like, do you guys know who James Fritz is? <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, sure. And like, you know, I'm in LA. I, I started out in LA doing yeah. comedy. And they'd be like, no. And I was like, but you know Hannibal. And like, oh yeah, I think I, I think I heard about them. What about, you know, Pete Holmes or anything like that? And so I had these, a lot of these influential. They should know James Fritz, P.S. Like, <laughs> 100%, yeah. Now, 100%. But yeah. this was like, he was like, I don't think he was doing open mics back in the, at this time when I, when I discovered him. Yeah. Um, and Mike Bryanstein. They should all know Mike Bryanstein. But uh, James, was it, was it, who was his co-host? Dean? We oh, probably Kyle? Oh, yeah, Dean Ky Carlson. Dean Carlson. God damn, you unlocked a part of my brain. <laughs> yeah, Dean, Dean ruled. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't, Dean I, was great. Yeah. I don't know where he is. Yeah. I, yeah but was, he, he was great. We could probably mention it. We, we don't have to go, but the, the show is called Red Bar Radio. Uh, I stopped listening to it after a, a while. I uh, just want that on the record. It was like that show, Nobody Likes Onions and Keith and the Girl. Yes. Those were like the th top three comedy podcasts. And then like it, it, maybe Adam Carolla. There was like three po comedy podcasts at yes. the time. Yeah, then yeah. Mark Maron came out and yeah, everything changed was everything. ruined. Comedy, bang, bang, everything. Yeah, everything changed. So yeah, I listened to you guys uh, a lot. And um, it was it just was really influential to me. And one cool thing seeing all of this uh, now is seeing everybody kind of grow in the scene. Kamal Nanjiani is obviously, he's ripped and a superhero. He now. was always kind of low-key jacked. Oh, really? People don't talk about it. He would lift weights every now and then and he would get like little skinny muscles. Interesting. I mean, not like... Not now. Not with not the like budget now. of Marvel to pump him full <laughs> of whatever it is legalized. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but, yeah. And P. Holmes, obviously, so, so great. But yeah, so... He's taking the opposite stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's he's getting high. That's what he's doing. Yeah, whatever Kumail's on, he's like, give me the reverse. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Chicago comedy scene. Uh, you did it. You're the champion of it. And uh we're moving on. And <laughs> so the book the, the book is about how in the late nineties, all of the clubs in Chicago closed, except for Zanies. And so comedy was at a low point in popularity. Right. All of the clubs post-comedy boom. Post-comedy boom. It was called the comedy bust, if you will. Yes. And so Zanies was the last club standing on the north side. And they were like, no, you guys, no local scene allowed, no open mic. They didn't want people to come in, see shitty comics, and then see the Zanies sign behind them. Right. So all of these people who ostensibly came to Chicago or in Chicago, the second, the third largest city in the country. Mm-hmm. A place that's a magnet for comedy because of Second City and because of improv. Right. But, which is like definitely a distant third in that ranking. Yes. In the city. Because yes. it goes improv, sketch, and then stand-up. Maybe like, theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Steppenwolf yeah. Theater is yeah. in Chicago. Like, I had to tell my coworkers, like, no, it's like 
It's not improv. It's like, you know, no. when, when Jerry gets in front, like when he's talking into a microphone at the beginning and the end of the show, and they'd be like, oh, like that's, that's how crazy. lame it was in 2000, Whoa. 2002, 2003. You had to explain it like an improv comedian explains improv now. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's crazy. So the people that you named, plus Beth Stelling, plus Cameron Esposito, yes. oh, plus amazing. like TJ Miller, like yes. whoever, Kyle Kinane, people that we haven't mentioned. Like, plus, like, John Roy, Nick Vaderat, Jared Logan, like, amazing, amazing comedians, James Fritz. Not only did they come from this scene, which would be impressive in any non, like, L.A. or New York scene, it also, they came out of a time when it was unpopular, there was nowhere to perform, and, and stand-up was unheard of in popularity in the city of Chicago. Right. So it's so, so as I was doing this, it was always, like, impressive to people that I came from the scene, that all these people came from the scene. But I realized like how impossible it was, hence kind of the name. Yes, the right amount of wrong. Perfect amount of wrong. Perfect amount of wrong. <laughs> I thank you. Thank you for that. What do you think makes Chicago like a hub for like funny people? Second city. Like, Since not- the fifties, second city the, uh, the the theater, the sketch comedy improv yes. theater. Yeah. So uh, Second City became like a and ever since like 1975, when most of the cast of original SNL was like from Chicago, like yes. Bill Murray, Gilda yes. Radner, mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd, that made it like a beacon for people. Plus, in the Midwest, like I started comedy in Iowa City and it was like, where do I go? And so it was either Minneapolis or Chicago. Right. And at first I thought because of a buddy of mine who was who moved to Minneapolis was already getting like feature work at Acme and stuff like and we're I'm performing at a Dave Odd show on a coffee table (laughs) like I thought I made a mistake Uh I didn't realize what I had yet and then it became like like readily apparent like this is I'm special this is special yes that's awesome this is Seattle in the late 80s yeah like with like with the music scene yeah with the grunge scene so every Chicago person I've met from like Chicago it seems like there's like a level of like you know like there's Canada like Canada is like a hub for com- comedy yeah. people. Every comedian I know from Canada can do a million voices. They're great at like monologues. They like do it all essentially. You met them in America, right? And then I met them in America. It, yeah. it, the well, visa yeah. is not cheap, so they better have some <laughs> shit to come down here. They're not coming down here willy nilly for like whatever it costs, forty grand or something. Shit, really? Yeah, it's not cheap. Oh shit! Yeah, they got. Okay. That's why, like, people are like, people from Canada hustle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're, they're making windows. bank up there. Yeah, yeah, that's why. So Chicago to me feels that way. Well, like whenever I meet somebody from Chicago, I've heard about somebody from Chicago, and this scene in particular um, kind of really uh, cemented that for me. This the audience doesn't give a fuck about <laughs> your credits. That's so crazy. I've been to Chicago. It was a joy for me. Everybody's incredibly nice. The idea that they like don't give a fuck that you just saying that like they don't give a darn sounds more on brand for Chicago to me. Really? Yes. Okay. There's they, I remember so number one place in the Midwest you can get punched in the face for just being like at a thing. Okay, so my <laughs> one experience in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, just a background on me. I was a touring audio engineer. I was on tour with this Japanese pop band called Perfume. Um, it was a babysitting gig because they brought all of their their own tech people. And I was just there to make sure they didn't like wreck my company's speakers, essentially. Yeah. That they were touring with. All that to say, we went fucking ham one night in Chicago, got drunk as shit. I end up like closing down a bar with like strangers I never met. The funniest person I've ever met. See, that's respectful. <laughs> That's a sign of respect. People yes. are like, what a respectful young man. <laughs> he came to our town and helped our local establishment. Dude, the funniest guy I've ever he met. Took he took up on our customs. <laughs> he, this guy, he was like, he was in town for a funeral and he talked, he's like, uh, he talked like he's from New York. Yeah. He's like, uh, and I, I keep this voice to this day because it's the funniest fucking voice. He's like, yeah, my friend, he, uh, he uh, fucking died. He got hit by a fucking bus. What a fucking dick he was. And he kept calling the guy. He'd be like, it's just like classic masculinity of like, I fucking miss him so much. That fucking dick, you know? (laughs) (laughs) We were in this bar. (laughs) Like that fucking guy. What a fucking asshole he was. And I just, it was like one of those times, like I have to remember this voice. I was blind drunk that night and I had to remember him. That is, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Like, he's like, that's his, uh, he ruined my day. He ruined my, he ruined my fucking day. There was getting a cannoli and I get this phone call. When Pat Bryce, my favorite comedian when I was in there, died, his best friend, we all go to his house, CJ Sullivan, and CJ oh, goes, yeah. 
It's just like that fucking asshole to ruin a perfectly good Sunday. <laughs> like, and everybody died laughing. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the That's level. Chicago, yeah. That's Chicago. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, the, the on the... I mean, the guy that you, of the show that you listened to, did he seem like a nice guy? <laughs> no, that's true. That's, <laughs> he he's, was born and raised there. Oh, really? Yeah. So, to, to my extent of that, so, you know, we close it down. We're getting fucking hammered. Best, I made best friends that night, right? Yeah. And... Bar closes at three, four, whatever time they, they close, I forget. And uh, the one of the guys we're talking to, he's outside making sure everybody gets a taxi. Where are you going, chief? He Everybody in the bar gets a taxi thanks to one guy. We're like, we'll see you next time. It was like, it was like a community. I've never seen that before. Never met the guy in my, before that night. I don't think anybody else did. But he was making sure, like, where are you going? He talks to the, the, he's like, oh, he's going to this hotel. I get to the hotel. That Blind seems right. Drunk. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's taking care of you. I mean, like, you came in, you you behaved yourself ostensibly. Yeah, like, yeah. So, this is a good guy now. We <laughs> Now we'll help you out. So, I was, like, in the family. If you had not behaved yourself. Okay, I would have got my ass kicked. Probably. That's hilarious. That was not a safe situation for you to be in <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, I'm just realizing. I'm, like, here. I'm, like, everybody's so fucking no, nice. You I was in, like, whatever. a lion's den, essentially. Yeah. You, yeah, you were like, man, Mordor's nice. <laughs> These orcs, I don't know what everybody's complaining about. These orcs are they were tight. Like, you, want a, you want a cab? Like, you, you must have done some real scumbag shit. And they were like, we like this This guy's guy. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's... You like storytelling? Boom. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're... got blind drunk. Bam, bonus boom. points. <laughs> so you passed whatever test they had. I, you're like waking me up to a whole idea, different idea of that night. That was <laughs> horribly dangerous oh, for you, Adam. Oh, they did stab a guy, but I thought that was a joke. Uh, you think people are not nice in LA? People are nice to your face in LA, then they're sociopaths behind outside. your back immediately. Right? Chicago's like bam. The Midwest, you what you what? I mean, they liked you, so they were nice to you. That's crazy. And next time you go there, they'd be like, "I remember this fucking. I told you about that dick." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was probably from New York, right? Like, Adam, my favorite Italian guy sad is the biting of the knuckles. <laughs> I can't it. Please add that to the character. Yeah. Oh, I'm missing so much that fucking dick. Uh, yeah, it's to this day just. I barely remember that night. I just remember this guy tell, talking to me about it. I'm that. glad you remembered it. That really got me. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> um, so the this book, you were telling me earlier that you were just let uh, allowed to write a book. And you're like, why? You know? I I just assume, I don't know if it's like, uh, whatever, like imposter syndrome or something. But like, whatever, if you're listening to this, whatever you want to do, like write a book do something in entertainment, do something like put yourself out there, do a podcast. If you just do it, people just kind of let you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, more, it's like maybe like every now and then, because then if you're like fucking Adam has a podcast, <laughs> yeah. now you sound like the bitch. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't like everybody that. You hear that? You hear that? Enemies. You sound like the bitch now. <laughs> okay. I mean, they do. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anybody who complains about anybody putting something out, into the world is a bitch. <laughs> that's go. That's on it right there. Not that's my Cat Williams moment. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have a podcast and you're shitting on and anyone shit on this podcast is in fact a bitch. You hear that, Steve Harvey? You're a bitch. <laughs> I don't co-sign on that. Wait, hold on. I do. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, I also, uh, so in your book, it actually talks about oh, one of the critics in uh, Chicago that kind of championed Bernie Mac, speaking of Cat Williams. Oh, yeah. this Okay, so this guy, uh, that the New York Times critic was mad that I didn't mention Bernie Mac. All of our friend, Bernie Mac. <laughs> our close friend. I thought that was like the weirdest <laughs> slight. And he gave me so many good poll quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like otherwise a great article, but he's like uh, the most glaring exception not mentioned. Bernie Mac. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's on like, he's already the king of comedy. There's no yeah. way he was on like the he whole He was scene. not in the scene. <laughs> Bernie. Do you not think I would love to talk about Bernie Mac? Could you imagine like- Jason Ky Zinneman from the New York Times. Kyle Kinane's like, okay, your next comic. Uh, yeah, coming up next, uh, Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac. <laughs> our, all of our good friends, Bernie Mac. <laughs> He supposedly had a show where like CYSK is now in Chicago for people that know anything about. Okay. Look it up. But like it's, he had a show downtown. There was a rumor of a hint of a former rumor of him 
he was not doing the North Side alt scene, which is what the fucking <laughs> book is about. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was like a, yeah, they did South Side so, sort of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And long gone. And no one, I mean, for yeah. some of these guys, like, I would be like, like Jimmy Dore, for example, or like he was gone. Right. And I would be like, and later on, I'd be like, did anybody of you guys know Jimmy Dore? And they'd be like, no. Or um, Jimmy Pardo was like a Chicago guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. No, no. If I was like Emo Phillips. Yes. No, yes. nobody fucking knew. Yeah. We were 22. <laughs> we didn't know Bernie Mac. <laughs> you were playing on top of a table on a Dave Odd show. I'm on a table <laughs> At Chase Cafe in Rogers Park, while Dave Odd's creeping out a woman <laughs> and the two audience members. <laughs> Bernie Mac was not at our shows. But the, so the critic was, oh, yes, his yeah. name was Alan Johnson. He passed away in 2006. He was like, he was a great source of information in the Tribune. He was like one of the only people, if not the only person, covering comedy. So it's like the memories of. The 25-year memories of drunken Chicago comics and this guy who wrote about it in real time. He was invaluable. He passed away in 2006, Alan mm -hmm. Johnson. He was an African-American critic. He did cover both the North and the South Side. That makes sense. Scenes. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. And and not in... I didn't include Little Rel Howery in the scene because um, he wasn't in the scene. He right. wa He wasn't going to come... To the to the Lincoln Lodge for twenty dollars. <laughs> it's it's crazy that like the Lincoln Lodge in my mind is like CBGB to me. Sure, like that, that makes sense because of how many people roll through it and it closed down. Is it open again, buddy? Not only is it open, they have their own building with oh. three theaters. It's fucking a dream. That's amazing. Yeah, I go do it. That's where I play in Chicago. They have a 120-seater. They have like a 75-seater, and they have like a 50-seater all in the same. It's its own building. But That's so cool. It was a show in the back of a pancake house. <laughs> now it's like a built. Mark Geary is a genius. That's I, awesome. I dedicate the book to Mark. Mark came from England. From uh, Leicester, England, he he started the he started an open mic because there were no open mics for him to perform at other than one. He needed more stage time. He started an open mic. He was like amazing at producing it. So people were like, "Can you help me produce?" That's awesome. This thing, and then he starts the Lincoln Lodge with Tom Lawler in two thousand. It's the longest running independent showcase in the country, and it's its own building now. You, if you are anywhere near Chicago, go. To yeah. this theater. It's like amazing. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to do that while I was blind drunk, but I wanted to. <laughs> it sounds like you were having a better time. <laughs> yeah. But that's uh yeah, so uh I know I'm getting working in the, the weeds of my nerdiness here. Uh get but, into the weeds of your nerdiness. Dude, I, I I honestly it's just like really, really fucking cool. And then it's that's another perfect example of you build it, they will come. Yeah. So you asked um why why I thought they got so good. I think that it's because to impress that crowd, and that's where we got sidetracked with your voice. <laughs> oh yes. To yes. impress those guys. Oh yes. You yeah. on stage, you they everybody they know is funny. So you have to bring it. You right. can't just kind of la be lazy up there. Interesting. It's fucking cold outside. Everybody they, has a sense of humor there. Like every, everybody has a sense of humor. Yes. It's cold. A lot of them are Irish. A lot of them are, you know, Polish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like these are real fucking people. Yes. Who work a job. It's fucking freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. They're shoveling out parking and spots. And they want to be happy. They want to be they happy. They choose you to be happy. They they walked around the corner because <laughs> there's no, no one drives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, you have to be good to get booked on shows, to make people laugh. And so- that's a city that makes you good at comedy. Yeah. And the and so you're coming in. I walked into an open mic. It's Kumail was was there. Pete Holmes was there. Nate Bergazzi was probably there. Like it's people who so I was like too immediately to to be booked on these shows with these guys. I have to get better. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because I'm walking in and like a year in and I'm seeing like people who are about to be like movie and TV stars like as like I saw the future of comedy wandering into like an open mic. Did you feel that way in that moment? Or did you feel like, wow, like, is this how comedy is? In the moment, I didn't know the landscape. I thought, I'm coming from Iowa. I'm assuming that there exists like thousands of open mics. Chicago is like impossibly huge. Compared to- I didn't know that the scene was 50 dudes and eight women <laughs> at that point. Yeah, yeah. So- 
Like, I had no idea everywhere I go, I'm going to see these same people. Okay. I was like, well, I sucked here. I'm going to go over here. And then same people. And I, these are the same people, and I still suck. Did you have to, did you feel like you needed to change your jokes in between those 1, things? Because you saw thousand percent. They liked weirder in Chicago. Like, I was going up and I, like, I was doing like stuff that worked in college and they were like, we've seen bullshit like this. Interesting. You have to, you have to bring it. I mean, if you think about the names that you mentioned there, we got Kamal Nanjiani, Kyle Kinane, Pete Holmes, Cameron Esposito, Hannibal yeah. Buress, yeah. Beth Stelling, TJ Miller, all that to say, insanely unique name, like perspectives in a scene that was so small yeah. of that to have such unique and powerful voices is crazy, yeah. you know? Like, in my mind, I, and I'm, I'm not saying from my personal experience of, like, anything like that, but, like, those are powerhouse names, and to say that they all started at the same time is crazy. Also in that scene were guys like Robert Buscemi, who was, like, crazy bizarre, and, like, he didn't become famous, or at least as of yet, but he was, like, the king of that scene, so it was, like, Nick Vadrot, guys who are, like, they're still in L.A., they're still, like, active, but... We saw those guys. Uh -huh. And so, like, we don't know who's about to be famous. We think all of us are going to be right. famous. Oh, okay. Well, it was pretty clear TJ would. I mean, there's like, you know. <laughs> yeah, TJ's like a shine. He shines, he, for sure. TJ shines. Yeah. And Kumail shines. And this guy, Pat Bryce, who passed away, I was sure. Like, there's guys like that. But it's like, a lot of these guys were coming from sketch and improv and doing stuff so wild <laughs> that you, if you went up and you were like, so dating is hard. Yes. Like, you would have looked insane. So what did you do to try to like compete with that? So the first thing that I ever got to work was this thing where I talked about the worst jokes I ever wrote when I was stoned. So these are purposefully bad. It's like if your name starts with the letter Q, I'm reading off a piece of paper. It'd uh -huh. be like, if your name starts with the letter Q, fuck Q. <laughs> like it was just dumb. <laughs> it was just a string of those. Okay. And like an alt and the, yeah. yeah. And the, like the delivery mechanism was, I know these are bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for some reason that worked like really well. Self-deprecation. Self-deprecation. Yes. So I'm learning that shitting on myself is part of it. They like, you know, they, it's, we've all done dumb stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's then almost like a sad clown the, sort of thing. And by the way, the, the guy who ran the Chica the Schomburg improv, which is like a billion seater, the biggest improv I've ever been in. Really? He takes me aside and he goes, you know how you tell people your worst jokes? I think they want to hear your best jokes. <laughs> and I was like, no, I mean, no, like. <laughs> you like should, hey, you should try doing good next time. Yeah. Have you thought about that? That joke always worked. <laughs> and he's like, imagine how good your good ones, sir. <laughs> the idea of like also noting something that killed is funny to me too. Like, hey, I know that killed. You should change it. Okay, so like, what were they seeing on stage? Like there was a show where it was an open mic that had like 50 people and unbeknownst to the whole audience, Nick Vatterout was hiding in a closet on the stage the whole show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So yeah. Brady Novak gets called up there and he's like, I've been trying out my ventriloquist act. Yes. He opens the cabinet, pulls Nick and he, Brady is like six four, three hundred 300 pounds. Okay. And Nick is like a foot shorter and not even half the weight. And he, you know, it's a ventriloquist act. So yeah, he yeah. pulls him out of the cabinet. <laughs> the crowd loses its mind. <laughs> and they do this whole like ventriloquist act. It's like, that's, even if he had, if they had just gone up and done it, it yeah. was like creative and brilliant. You can watch it on YouTube, honestly. Oh, okay, cool. And, but the crowd is reacting to, holy fuck. <laughs> somebody was in that like cabinet. The whole time. And so now you got to go up afterwards and be like, so you guys on the apps <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Facebook is crazy. Yeah, right? I guess yeah. it would have been 2003. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like uh, uh, MySpace. Yeah. TiVo, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, everyone? So I was watching Family Guy. The other so day. it was like, so there was a, it was weaponized weirdness. Okay. Ooh, I love that. There was that. like a little bit of an arms race to out creative. Because like the gauntlet had been thrown down. Yes. There was a guy named, I can't say his name. I, I almost said his name. I even say his fake name in the book. He had a bit where he, TRL was huge in like right. the late 90s. Oh yeah, big fan. And they would hold up signs for their favorite pop star. In the background, like in, in the, the like Times Square. Like Today Show style. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so he wanted to do that. And so he's like, 
hey, you guys, it's my birthday. I've always would love it. I w- I've been watching TRL. I would love it if you guys, like, hold up these signs. And he would pass out signs that said, like, marry me. Like, we love you. Oh, okay. And, like, stuff like, he always had one that said, please destroy my vagina. That always made me laugh really hard. <laughs> <clears throat> so when I come out, like, just go nuts. Like, um, you know, act like, you know, I'm your favorite comedian and everything. And, I, and I'll come right back, okay? And I'll and I'll do a show. And I just, just do this for me. Will uh-huh. you do that? And they're like, yes, 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 yes. And so the host comes back out and he goes, here he is, folks, the person you wanted for. And then they, he would say his name. In the book, his name is Chet Lactatious, which is the name he told me to call him. And I was like, that is irritating. That does work. <laughs> so he'd go, please welcome Chet Lactatious. And he'd come back out and they'd like jump to their feet with the signs that cheering for him. And he emerged from the back in a full KKK costume. No. <laughs> so you watch they go through the fucking levels of grief the stages of grief right and like they're standing and cheering and for the worst thing that they can imagine and then they slowly realize what it is like you see it happen in real oh, time so till they end up kind of appreciating how good somebody just got them yeah you got got yeah 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 <laughs> like uh, uh. and then now imagine you're in that scene yes now you got to go up and be like um how do you follow that anybody's mom drive weird <laughs> that's so okay. that's what i'm that's weaponized so that's, weirdness that is the scene there's 50 people. They're all trying to perform at the height of their creativity. Because if you want, because the most of these shows, the shows in the back, the bars in the front. If you want the other comics to come in and watch you, even you got to get them from the bar. You got to get them from the bar. And who are they going to go to see? Not the not the dude who's doing the same bullshit every I love week. That. That's actually. I mean, I, that's I, I'm I'm taking that person like in because I I, I find myself being like what. What do I want to fucking talk about on stage sometimes? And uh, you can literally talk about anything or do anything. Yeah, that was like the brain broken sort of thing. And, yeah. so, and some people, like Pete Holmes, did basic meat and potatoes stand up. Right, but he's Pete Holmes. But he's and, Pete Holmes. He yeah. did it really well. Um, he was heavily influenced by this guy Robert Buscemi. Like that was his favorite comedian. That name sounds so. Can you expand on that? So a little bit? Robert was almost kind of like he had strange jokes and he was he was older he was 10 years older than the rest of us so he's like 30 <laughs> he's like 31 yeah and he was from kind of rural uh ohio okay and so he kind of had has like a voice like this so he's a little bit older and he kind of dressed kind of hipster okay and so he would do kind of absurdist comedy and he had a specific look and he was the first comedian I saw in Chicago. I was like, this is the weirdest fucking guy I've ever seen. <laughs> Nobody was like him. Okay. Like he, what is, it's all like big pieces, but he had one that was like meat, meat, meat. It was like, I like to kill meat with meat. Like I take a frozen, like a meatball and I take a slingshot and he just whap, like kill a deer right in the temple. So it's like meat, meat, meat. <laughs> like the whole thing is like a dumb device. It's the smartest dumb shit you've right. ever heard. Like it's poetry in its own weird way. Yes. Yeah. Everything was like the words were perfect every time. And he had like a cadence and he had like a syrupy kind of delivery. And he wore and he looked different and he talked different than everybody. And is he still doing it now? Yeah, I'm doing his show on Saturday. Oh, cool. And he's out in LA. Yeah, he's out in LA. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Fuck, okay. I'll look he's, him up. he's acted in a few things. Like he's he's killing it. Actually. And he's no relation. Right, that's, that's no the relation. Joke, right? Yeah, he's that's his real name. Yeah, I think yeah. he, I think he is Sicilian, and then um, yeah, no relation whatsoever to Steve. What you mentioned in the in the book is that there are people that like you know we mentioned uh, some really big names, but you also mentioned like there's one quote that you say Nick uh, Vaderot, who you mentioned before, yes. is my evidence that comedy is not a meritocracy. That's what I said in the in the, oh, in the, the article for the, the article in yeah. the interview. Yeah, he's. I think if you ask most of those guys and girls who, who, and non-binary, thank you, uh, who their (laughs) favorite, I I covered all my bases. You got got them. And is that everybody? Uh, Mm -hmm. Who their favorite person was. Nick, Nick Vatterat never did the same set twice in one week. He never did the same jokes at the same venue twice. So he, he had this OCD thing. So he was always doing something new. He did my show on Wednesday. He's brilliant. He's the best comedian I've ever seen. Really? 
ever since 2004, he is. His set on Fallon, in the article they called it The Tonight Show, it was when he was in the Conan gotcha. slot. Okay. He yeah. has a set where he forgets the next joke that he's going to tell only to produce from his pocket an absurdly large set list. Then go through all the weird shit that he did. It's uh-huh. the most perfect, like, alt comedy late night set I have ever seen. I show it to anybody. It's like legendary amongst like our scene. It was like he got away with something because like it was like our type of comedy on a screen, whereas most of the people that we've mentioned have pretty much watered it down to be more acceptable Mm -hmm. for the audience. But Nick is brilliant. And so he, like I have so many stories in the book of like his bits, people talking about him. And then on a lot of podcasts where... Both of the comedians are successful. They're like, comedy's a meritocracy, wouldn't you say? (laughs) And it's like, it is, you can't suck and be like awesome. Like even like, you know, all of the people are shitting on like Matt Reif, like whatever. He could do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. His crowd work got him to where he is. Totally. And his looks. But like, (laughs) and Dane Cook, something about him worked. You can't be awful. Right. But it is certain, we all have examples in our heads of people who are amazing. The funniest people. That are way ahead of those, like some famous people in terms of ability. And he's one of them. And I, I don't want to act like he's doing bad, but, no, he's, no, no. Not, but he's not like you, a household name like some of those people. Which And which you think he, he should be. Um, yeah. The fact that he's not means that it's not a meritocracy. I think being a musician, like an artist... Uh, I think music is less subjective or like there, I think comedy is probably the most subjective art form, right? Like something is very funny to one person, but maybe not so much or at all. Like it's either very funny or it can just straight up be no. More people like music than have a sense of humor. Totally. And that's, that's, I think that's also why like, uh, you know, going back to like old podcasting days and stuff like that, there's something about comedy now and, and boom and bust I think we're probably somewhere close to a boom right now, or if for not sure, in the middle, for sure. right? No, we are because of, because of podcasts and and yeah. and stuff. Um, one thing I should mention, like I love music, I I love comedy history books, so mm-hmm. I'm like stoked for this book for sure. I read literally. I don't know if you've read any of them, but there's so many great ones. People out kept there. telling me it was like uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm dying up here, so yeah. I finally read that. That's one. a good one. Um, there's another one that's like comedy from all the ages or whatever, and they turned it into a, a documentary later. Yes, the Cliff Nestor. Yes, yes. Yeah, I read that one. Such a good one. But I think there's like there's these ebbs and flows and stuff because I think it's like literally it's you know yes no yet like uh, people get tired of comedy. People don't get tired of music, I think. Yeah. They don't think it maybe stop, it only switches a little bit to like counteract it. Music, comedy doesn't have like a switch to be like, oh yeah, we're doing punk rock now. Now we're doing pop. Whereas like comedy doesn't like, it's like, it's all punk rock or it's all like, uh, you I know. disagree. Okay, please. So in the 80s and 90s for white, I'll say for white comedy because in the 90s there was an urban comedy boom right like yes. explosion Def that comedy, didn't exist yeah. and then deaf comedy yeah came along and so like the 90s for white comedy people not doing deaf jam fucking bottomed out because every like because of the boom like tulsa oklahoma had three comedy clubs yes yeah yeah, yeah. and like chicago had like 20 something whoa so are there 20 headliners in the city of Chicago, plus three in Tulsa, plus how many so headliners yeah. every night that have to do, so it's watered down. Yes. And so people, and then they started playing stand-up in the late 90s on Comedy Central 24-7. Yeah. So it went from this thing where it's like, what is it? I don't know what it is. I guess I got to go see it. I see it on yeah. like the Johnny Carson, but I guess they're saying like fuck and shit and stuff mm-hmm. on, like on stage. Whoa, like we got to go see this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, this is on my TV. The guy at my club last week fucking sucked. <laughs> the style of comedy also was pretty lame, honestly. Like, yeah. it was very observational. So it was like, what's the deal? Yeah. Have you ever noticed? Late 80s to early 90s, that up until that bust, everybody trying to be uh, Jerry Seinfeld-esque. So also at that point, Gen X kind of became like adults. Yeah. And so they were like, not going to do what their baby boomer parents were doing, which was going to brick wall 
comedy clubs and wearing their suits with like ex- extremely long uh, yep. shoulder pads mullets sleeves rolled up on the jacket going what, grape nuts yeah they're not grapes they're not nuts oh. <laughs> and so it i loved it when i was 10 right because right. it was on tv all the time i wasn't going to the clubs yes and so it was on tv but pe- but it bottomed out in popularity completely just oversaturation and watered down and two drink minimums yes. and yeah. it became a, it was like a, a fad and so yeah totally and so the punk rock version was alt comedy yes i also would also a reaction say against deaf that. comedy would probably be that too because absolutely that, if you watch it it's the grungy they're talking it's all blue it's all blue you're talking about vaginas and dicks and booties and and yeah and stuff so vaginas and dicks and booties <laughs> that's most of Cat Williams set, uh, no, uh, no, uh, so yeah, like it's, I would say it, it's that, uh, you know, it's verging on the ebb and flow. So, you, so there, it's a right reaction there. against the popular thing. Yes. In yeah. the same way that punk was a reaction against like arena rock. Disco and, that, and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day about this shit, uh, for sure. Um, and we should definitely get into an argument on this podcast. I, that's going to be great for a podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so did you, um. You said you meant you had a story uh, for us. I'll tell a Chicago story. Okay. Um, somebody asked me recently the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and I thought about it and I came up with several. I know, Yeah. I was like, uh, okay, do you have all day? Okay. So I, I was, I worked on the 70th floor of the Aeon building in Chicago. Okay. At that point in time, it was the second tallest building in Chicago. I think that there's been stuff since the 70 floors. So downtown Chicago if I looked down from my window, like the taxis, the cars looked like ants. The people are specks. It's just like a little yeah. dot. That's how far up we are. Uh-huh. We're so far up that they let people smoke cigarettes on the floor. <laughs> we had a room that you could go smoke. <laughs> because it would be too long to because go Because if you went down, yeah. there's post 9-11, through yeah. security, back up. Like, and the, we had chain smokers. And so people would go into this room and smoke. That's crazy. And so... I would go to, I would see these people coming in to smoke. These like old ladies who did not look healthy. <laughs> they looked like Allison, Janney and I, Tanya, like the mom. <laughs> a lot of them were that level. That's what they looked like. These are old moms from Berwyn saying use guys and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So then at lunch, we would go to the elevators and these women would come out as right by the smoking room and I'd go down. And then one day, one of them goes, I'm going to take the stairs. And I went, in my head, I'm like, what? <laughs> and then somebody just goes, like, they just nod their heads. And I go, good for her. Like, who's allowing this? And they're like, yeah, it is good for her. Like, I'm like, what? She's going to, okay. No one seemed bothered by this. The other women that she was with were like, um, I'll go, like, one of them was like, I'll go with you. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I didn't think anything of it till I got promoted to training. And... I was on the 71st floor for training. I, I Training fucking sucked. You had to wear a suit and tie. Uh-huh. Like it was very strict. And so I would sneak out and meet my friends in the cigarette room. Okay. To hide. I, and then like I would get caught when I go back up. They'd be like, you smell well, like cigarettes. You smell like cigarettes. You can't do that. And I'd be like, oh, I went down there to to use the restroom. Wait, so is the smoking room sanctioned or is it just like, uh, we're not going to talk about it's it. It's sanctioned. Per- okay, okay. But taking a cigarette break would yeah. have been fucking grounds for... Ter- it's like, what are you doing? So I had to like lie. Okay. But I knew I couldn't do it, get caught going up and down the elevator anymore. So I figured out you could take the back stairs if you had your badge with you, beep, boop, bop your way in through the doors and go... We'll fob and, it up. And yeah. just like hide to not have to do shit. Mm-hmm. And so that worked forever. And then one day... The door closes behind me and I'm like uh, patting my, I don't have my thing with oh, me. I'm like, no. so the door closes oh. and I bang on the door and I'm just like, fuck. And nothing, no one comes. So I go down to 70 and I bang on the door at 70 and no one comes. And I think of those ladies who took the stairs down and I'm like, the fastest thing to do is go to walk down these stairs down to the lobby from 70. Oh, shit. Take the elevator back up. So that's what I do. Oh, my God. I start, I don't know how long this took, but when you go down the stairs, that many stairs, it's hard to explain. 
a few bad things start happening to you right away. <laughs> it's like a journey. <laughs> you like go to your 30th floor, you see skeletons of those old lady with their blue hair and cigarettes. <laughs> you're like, oh shit, they never made it down. <laughs> in, in LA, the most you're ever doing is like a, like a, like a parking garage. Yeah. So four. Yeah. So, maybe. You, so you don't realize you're just walking in a circle. <laughs> You like lose track of time. You're like, like you check the level. Like I was just on sixty. What happened? You know. So it's like a baseball bat on the forehead race. <laughs> you get so dizzy, like dizzier than you can ever imagine, and it ne it's never ending. How wide would you say the staircase? Like is? an industrial staircase. How many steps would you say? Like eight. I, yeah, I've I've, but then like there's like a landing where you're oh, between yeah. them. I've totally. tried to do the math stairs math before. <laughs> This yeah, probably took me 30 minutes just walking in a circle. That's and actually pretty fast, I would say. You're, it's your grab, and I'm going as fast oh, as I can. You're going down. Yeah, gravity's your guide. And, you, and I'm 23. Okay. Your legs do not ever use those muscles. <laughs> so yeah, you, it's like all like ankle grippy. You're like calves are like, yeah, yeah. You think, oh, that should be easy. Not 70 fucking <laughs> floors of it. So you're jelly legging it. <laughs> By the and you're just clanging off a wall. How many times did you think about like sliding down it, like like a Home Alone? Style? Oh, I thought of everything. And there was no. I was just like keep well, going. Wish I had my skateboard. I grind down lizard these. brain down to the bottom. It's all survival at a certain point. And I get to you know that feeling when you get off of a treadmill and you're still on the treadmill. Yes, yeah, yeah. You feel that like yeah. So I get I get down to the lobby. I'm still in a circle. So I am like, I look. <laughs> Crazy, my legs don't you're walking, work. You're down. And I and here's what I didn't realize: I'm wearing a suit. I'm in training. Huge shoulder pads. Huge shoulder pads. Arms rolled up. I'm like, you ever notice I, I look crazy? So, what's the deal with stairs? There's so many of them. What's the deal? Who are the ad wizards who came up with 71 flights? So I'm clanging around down there, and I'm aiming my body at the elevators, unbeknownst to me. I am soaking wet from sweating. Oh, shit. Because it's hot. It's right. like, and I'm wearing a suit. If you're going to do that <laughs> level of exercise, do not wear the suit your mom bought you for your sister's wedding. <laughs> I am sopping wet. Terrible shoes, too. Ter Loafers. Kenneth, Kenneth Cole sloshing <laughs> around in these work shoes. Oh, my God. Like, it is, like, insane how I look. I look like <laughs> Ted Kennedy emerging from Chappaquiddick. <laughs> Ready to tell his side of the story. <laughs> so I get in the elevator and I'm just like, I have no choice but to tell them what happened. This yeah. is fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, yeah, you no, that. I had the, I couldn't think of, I'm like, this is. I fell in the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> I fell in the lake. Like, I don't know what. So I get up, they're waiting for me. They're ready to fire me. Oh, and this, so. Your, your bosses sound so strict. It was the strictest thing. It's training for, like, it was sales. Uh -huh. It was like, I had like 20 pages of shit to memorize. And it was like this, it was like strict. It was to weed out, like, People, yeah. Okay. So most people they hired straight in and they gave him this like kind of boot camp mentality. I got promoted and got the boot camp. This was like a legendary training thing for sales to sell ads into the phone book. Oh my God. This is, how, this is they, yeah, 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 this is at the tail end of the phone book. So uh -huh. I'm up there, I'm looking at them. They're ready to fire me. It was the most in, like, insane feeling. I was just like, here it comes. What a terrible journey too. Cause you like, you're all this, you know, you're about to get fired as you're going. As down. I'm like, this, I am, yeah. this is over. Yeah. This is over for me. <laughs> Got to go back up. Yeah. And so they're waiting for me and they, their faces change. I don't realize how I look yet. <laughs> their faces change from like ready to yell at me to one of them just like kind of, they just kind of look at me and they're like, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I just told them everything that I just told you. Okay. I just said, I just came out with it and I go, and then they just started dying laughing. <laughs> one of like, they're just bent and they, and then they're like wheezing. And then one of them says, why the fuck did you think you could do that? <laughs> and I go, well, those ladies that smoke, <laughs> they did it. They go down and they go, what the fuck are you talking about? And I go, they went from 70 to the, and no one, I thought I could do it. And they go, Mike, 
They work on 68. <laughs> they went from 70 to 68. <laughs> I became, they started calling people over. They're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you got to get over here. They called people oh, over. No. Like oh, no. immediately the whole floor knows. Then it travels to down to 70. Down to, eventually I became like the celebrated mascot. <laughs> For the worst person, the dumbest piece of shit, any of them, morale had never been higher. They used me as an example in training for years after. No way. So I shifted offices from like downtown to like out by O'Hare and I would get a lot of like, that was you? <laughs> Your Mike stairs right inside? <laughs> You're the stairs guy? <laughs> Um, yeah, that's fucking crazy. So, uh, it's probably a metaphor for being nice to who you meet on the way up because when you see him on the way, but basically, yeah, that's yeah. not that's just terrible. Bring better shoes to work. That's the moral. Did I story. tell that story on your on your show? I feel like no, it, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. I'm no. having flashbacks of like, oh, I told it at Avery's show. I'm no, like, no, 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 no. I had no, a flashback. No. I was like, you told this at Glenn, Glendale. Right? I think you probably point. you just did your material, okay, um, because yeah. it was you know, you're like, oh, I'm just a tech guy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so Ready. So that is a story that A has never worked on stage. So thank you for laughing. Oh no. Why I mean the Chappaquiddick thing. I to, really, really like that. You have to get it. You're a it's history so, guy. I mean <laughs> go look up uh yeah, go look that up, guys. Uh it's a wild thing that he was a senator for many years after that. Uh okay. Kennedy. I mean bulletproof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, choice of words. <laughs> Oh, with that, okay, I think we got to end the show, man. Thank you so much for doing this, dude. Everybody should go buy his book. Amazon. Uh, You can get it on Amazon. Prime? Amazon Prime. Look at that, guys. He's got that Prime shit. It is called The Perfect Amount of Wrong, The Rise of Alt Comedy on Chicago's North Side. It's Mike Bridenstine. You could also follow him where? At Mike Bridenstine on Instagram. And you have so many shows every week? I have a lot of shows every week. I I have a Wednesday at the Fable in uh, Eagle Rock and a Friday at the Glendale Room. The Glendale Room. Sometimes I... Follow him after uh, the Saturday after that. So if you're going to go, if you're in Glendale, check out his show on Friday, Flagship, and then go to my show on Saturday, uh, uh, the first Saturday of every month. That was wild. But thank you so much for doing this show, Thank dude. you for having me. Well, so we're going to end the show like we always do. We're going to look down the barrel of that camera. We're going to say- Which one, this? That one right there. Say, that was wild on the count of three. All right? Yeah. Three, two, one. That, that was wild! Get wild!